Let's take our Bibles and turn to Psalm 103 this evening. Psalm 103. And I want to bring you a devotional that I've titled this evening, Bless the Lord. That that title is readily apparent. We're just going to read the first five verses um, of a very familiar psalm and uh, share a few thoughts tonight. I won't be trying to expound the whole thing. I, I know that pastor's working on the psalms, but it's going to be 100 years before he gets to this one, so... (laughs) <laughs> I don't think we have anything to worry about. You'll forget everything I say tonight by the time he gets to Psalm 103. All right, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Let's just take a moment and look to the Lord. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for your loving kindness that uh, we read about just in this verse here tonight. And we're so grateful for all that you've done for us. We're grateful for your watch, care, and protection over us in the the days of the week already. And uh, in our labors, thank you for strength that you've given. And now we've come for spiritual rest this evening. And while we look forward later tonight to physical rest, right now we can always use the respite from all that is a part of such a busy and sometimes distracting work week to help us to refocus and to refresh. So I pray, Lord, that you would just guide my thinking tonight, quicken my thoughts, give me the mental and physical energies that I need to be an encouragement and lead by the Holy Spirit. I pray for a special sense of your presence, and I pray for each listener tonight that you just give us the ability, Lord, no matter what we've encountered today, a physical weariness or spiritual struggle, to be able to uh, hear from what you have for us this evening. I pray in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Well, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Did you ever notice how easy it is for us to forget to include thanksgiving or praise in our times of prayer? And yet, really, it is a very important part of prayer. All you have to do is sort of think of that old acronym, ACTS, when you think about prayer. So you have adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. To me, I like that better than cats. I remember one time Pastor Whitcomb said some people like cats, and that's true. Some people do. But the other side of the coin is probably nobody's going to have a problem with acts. But it does sort of remind us that that's supposed to be a very important part of our prayer. But it's so easy for us to come to a prayer meeting like this tonight, and nothing wrong with this. Please don't mistake what I'm going to say next. But when we hear the requests that people give or when we see the sheet, we oftentimes don't have a lot of praise the Lord type items, we, we have mostly just requests. And again, there's nothing wrong with that, but we do have to give some considered effort, I think, to being um, diligent. The book of Hebrews has something to say about this. It says, by him, therefore, let us acri- offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. That's Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Years ago, in fact, roughly speaking, in the middle of the 19th century, there's a young man by the name of Johnson Oatman Jr. Some of you may recognize that name. But young Johnson was a lot like many boys are, and he wanted to be like his father. 
Now, his father was a, a merchant in a successful merchant in the little New Jersey town where they live, Medford, New Jersey. And so uh, Johnson got interested in that. He joined his father's business, but there was something else kind of interesting about his dad, and that is that he was a very, a very popular musician. Uh, he had sort of a, a big, um, booming kind of enthusiastic voice, and people really enjoyed listening to him sing. But for young Johnson, following his dad in so far as musical uh, success just wasn't in the, what it just wasn't to be because he just, he couldn't sing like his father could sing. He tried preaching for a while too, and for whatever reason, that wasn't a very good fit. And finally, when he got to be 35 years old, the Lord directed him into the thing that he was really excited about and that he could do well. If he couldn't sing, he could write. And he wrote songs, many of which we're familiar with, and we have at least four of them in our songbook. Um, think about this. It, just in the Rejoice hymnal, we have No Not One. That's a very familiar song. We also have He Included Me. We have Higher Ground. All of these are very, very well-known songs. Johnson Oatman Jr. wrote all those songs. The last one, towards the end of the hymnal, 564 to be exact, is the one that I wanted to mention to you tonight, and that is count your blessings. You see, when we don't do what he's exhorting us to do in that song and what the scripture is exhorting us to do when we give thanks and praise to God, bless the Lord, praise the Lord, those kind of are synonymous type thoughts. When we don't do that, it's so easy for us to kind of slip into what maybe I could call a spiritual funk. We just kind of get off our game a little bit and we lose the spiritual edge and dynamic that God really wants us to have. I'm thinking in particular about the second stanza of that song where he writes, are you ever burdened with a load of care? Does the cross seem heavy you are called to bear? Count your blessings, every doubt will fly and you will be singing as the days go by. And it really is true, you know? I mean, if you, will, if you will discipline yourself, if I will discipline myself to think about God's goodness, to think about God's favors, to think about God's blessings, it really does transform your walk and it certainly transforms your, your, your day with the Lord. So in Psalm 103, verses one through five, there are three thoughts I wanna share with you this evening along those lines where I think the psalmist offers us some very good instruction. I just want this to be very practical tonight. First of all, I think our praise should be fervent. Notice verse number one, where he says, bless the Lord, first of all, O my soul. Well, it's kind of interesting, the word soul there, because already that turns our thoughts. I mean, if you really just think about that for a moment, the use of that turns our thoughts to the inner man. But it's almost as if the psalmist then doubles down with this idea because then he says, and all that is within me. So praise can be half-hearted. Praise can just be perfunctory. Praise can just be something that we go through because we're supposed to go through it or we can put our heart into it. It has to be more than lip service. And this is what the psalmist is saying to us that it should not be just mechanical but it should come from our hearts. Secondly, if you look at verse two, I think we could make the observation that our, our praise should be frequent. 
You know, our church, and I think this church does too, as I recall, uh, every Thanksgiving we always had a praise service. I mean, that's all well and good. Special times that are devoted to that type of thing are really all well and good. And I, from time to time, we have testimony services in this church. Probably we need to do more of that kind of thing, but it gets so busy from time to time. But our, did you ever notice how it's always such a blessing when you have a, a testimony service? You hear things that you just, wow, that was really encouraging when you, you heard this. But if we wait for a testimony service at our church or we wait for Thanksgiving, or something like that in order to praise the Lord, we're really missing out on, on what God has for us and in what the psalmist is talking about. Why do I say this in verse number two? Because he says, forget not all his benefits. And when you think about this a little bit, it is um, part and parcel really of human nature to forget. And so we have to sort of make an effort. We have to be uh, diligent about so to make it frequent. Otherwise, what happens is when we become unthankful, we also become unholy. And it just completely dulls the spiritual vigor that God intends for us to have. So we have to make an effort to be sure that praise doesn't go missing. That's really what I want to say tonight. We have to make an effort to see to it that thanksgiving, praise in our walk with the Lord doesn't go missing. All right, so it should be fervent and it should be frequent. But one last thought from verses three through five, and that is, and we'll spend a, just a little bit more time with this. Our praise should be thoughtful. You know, that, that's kind of the other side of the coin from him having just said, forget not, don't forget. The opposite of that is sort of to discipline yourself, to call to mind. Think about this. Now, I've shared with you before something that I really find helpful and, and, and really necessary so often in Bible reading. Have you noticed how easy it is to sit down and read from the Bible? And you can get done with a chapter or several chapters or whatever it is you're doing at that particular juncture, and you can stop and say, why don't I just read? I mean, and I have found over the years that it's a very helpful practice for me when that happens, even when it doesn't happen. I mean, days are different. Let's just say that. Days are different. Sometimes you can be reading along, and it's like every verse just seems to pop out. And other days, you can just kind of be reading along, and, you know, despite your coffee or whatever else, you're still sort of in a bit of a, a daze. And then I get to the end of that at some point, and I'll, I'll often just stop and say, well, okay, what did I just read? And what does it say to me? I can't speak for you, but I can speak for me. If you do that, or if, when I do that, and I ask the Lord, I, I don't think I've ever been, I don't think I've ever gone away empty. I've sometimes, I, I would have might maybe have gone away empty if I had just stopped right there and not forced myself to go through that exercise. The same thing is kind of true with what we're talking about now. You have a lot to be thankful for. It's just so easy to forget it, and it's just so easy to take it for granted. We all do, right? We all have the tendency to do this. And so when, the, when, when I use the word thoughtful, it's kind of the spinoff of not being forgetful. Discipline yourself to be thoughtful and to think through, what is it that God has done for me? What prayers is, have God, has God answered? What is God doing? Make a conscious effort to recall God's blessings. 
Now, it's almost like the psalmist knows we need a little help. So he gives us five things. And we'll, we'll take time for just a, a quick comment on each of these. So you notice in verse number three, here's the first of the five, who forgives all your iniquity. Well, you can be perfunctory about that, you know. You can, you can be perfunctory with just mouthing something about thank you for saving us. But to think about forgiveness and to think about what is really involved in forgiveness means a lot. In fact, it means so much that if you drop down a little bit later in the psalm to verse 10, 11, and 12, he, he takes the time to elaborate on this some. He says, he does not deal. What does it mean to be forgiven? Well, he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Do you notice he gives two examples there of, of things that we can't, really, we can't really pin down? Verse number 11, as, far, as high as the heavens are above the earth. Well, how high is that? <laughs> I can't pin that down, can you? And as far as the east is from the west is impossible because you'll just, if you go east, you'll always be going east. <laughs> so you can't figure that one out either. So it's almost like what God wants us to understand is, is that the, the depth of our debt is so great that it's unfathomable. And yet God has overcome that. God has granted to us forgiveness for our sins. Okay, we don't have time to really keep talking about these things. So how about the next one at the at the end of the verses, who heals all your diseases? Well, that's I don't know. I don't know if I've ever done a a real statistical analysis, but what do you think that takes up in a prayer meeting? Physical needs, 75%, would you say or more of the prayer yeah, probably more. And again, I'm not I'm not I'm not castigating us for that. I'm I'm just saying that's really on our mind. I mean, we do live in tents of clay, and they break down. They're worse than cars. And so lots of us here tonight can uh, wax eloquent if um, someone has the time or interest to listen. But to know that God is able to do something about these things, I mean, especially when you're talking about something that the doctors haven't been able to figure out or... They have various treatments, but maybe you aren't responding to those particular treatments. And what do you do? And of course, we thank God for doctors. We thank God for living in the day that we live in where so many things are known to us and so much medicine is available that was never known before. I mean, even when you think about Bible times, and I've commented on this before, you know, blindness, even thinking about Isaac, you know, it's one of the the whole things that led to some of the problems in the, in the very early days there with Jacob is, is Isaac got a Lord, he couldn't see. Well, in those days when you lived in that, that situation like they did, and you're constantly exposed to all that bright glare and sunshine like they were, and you didn't just go down and have Lasix, or you didn't just go down and have your cataracts removed. So it wasn't uncommon. In fact, it was quite common in Bible times for people to struggle with that. So there's a lot we can be thankful for. But there's a lot of times, too, when we just feel like we're at the end of ourselves, don't we? We just feel like, I don't know what else to do. And sometimes we get discouraged. 
and it's just really, I, 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 I can't help but park on the word all to know that whether it's a small thing or whether it's a large thing, it's never too big for God. Now, it's not, a, it's not a promise that he's always going to do that because sometimes his will is different, and we all know that tonight. But to know that you can come to God and that nothing's too big, no problem's too great for God to solve. You know, I, I heard something just uh, a day or so ago that brought a real smile. Um, our, our daughter was all last week in uh, Central Pennsylvania Bible Conference. I don't think she was preaching. But there's a church there that supports her in Altoona, Pennsylvania, which is about 45 minutes from where we lived, and it's Faith Baptist Church of Altoona. And I know the pastor there. Uh, he's a really good guy. And uh, anyway, they're one of her supporting churches, and he, he always likes to have her come for that week if she's going to be around when that's going on. And thank the Lord, the church in, in Huntington, where we were, they, they're letting her use the prophet's chamber. So she has a place to kind of, you know, spoke out from with all these different meetings. And so she'd drive over to Altoona for every evening last week for these services, do whatever ministry was assigned to her and then drive back. So I don't know if you ever do that kind of thing before, but I mean, that's exhausting. That's absolutely exhausting. So you're making nearly an hour trip one way, then you're in a service and you don't just walk out the door when the service is over. You know, you're, you're talking with people, you're all that, and and then you're driving home, and you're you know. So you're getting home. I should tell you, one night she got home as a skunk outside the door. That didn't do much for her. But what what really brought a smile to me was that she was feeling a little off one night, and I don't know whether she said something to the pastor or what, but he he just. In the service, he just called it out and stopped and prayed for her right then and there. She said the next day she was feeling fine. See, lots of times we think the big things are the big things, but I'm sort of of the opinion that I expect God to be able to do the big things. When God does something little, but it means something to me, I'm impressed. That impressed me. And it just brought a smile who healeth all thy diseases. Then you'll notice verse 4 at the beginning, who redeems your life from the pit. Now, that's an interesting thought. So what do we call that? We, can, we talk about forgiveness. We talk about healing. I'm just going to use the word deliverance, although rescue, even redemption. He redeems. That's the way the King James translates. It's all the way translated here, too. Redeems your life from the pit. So when the Bible uses that expression, the pit, we're thinking about death, either in one of two or both ideas. Either we're talking about some type of a pre, uh, what we would, what we from a human standpoint would consider a premature demise. In other words, you can find examples in the, in the, in the Psalms where the psalmist is concerned. He's got some physical affliction. Uh, you remember Hezekiah, it's not so much in the Psalms, but you remember Hezekiah, you know, he, he, he ended up with some kind of a, a, a boil of sorts, whatever it was exactly he had. But uh, you know, he prayed to the Lord about that. He felt like it was take, going to take him out prematurely. And so there's physical death. Physical death is a ramification of sin being in the world, but it's not the worst one. The worst one is spiritual death. And you can really talk about either thoughts with different cross-references in the Psalms, but I want to tell you, it's, 
It's beyond any ability that I have or you have to alter either one. I'm telling you something tonight that you already know, and I'm not selling life insurance. But I'm telling you, unless Jesus returns, there is no power on this earth that's going to keep you from facing death. Only the Bible has a, an explanation for why it is that all people, that death is universal. Do you ever stop to think about that? Only the Bible answers that question. Why is death universal? No. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have what? Sin. And so if you go back, just a, just a cross-reference to Psalm 49 for a moment, just slip right back there. In fact, it was not too terribly long ago Pastor Cameron preached on this. But it talks about this very subject that we're talking about here. So verse 7, Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. You see, it's, it's beyond our power to do anything about it. Physical death is imminent and unavoidable if Jesus doesn't return. But what about the consequences of what's beyond the grave? See, then it goes on in verse 9, it says that he should live, for, live on forever and never see the pit or never see Sheol. Um, but then drop down to verse 13. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve their boasts. Like sheep, they are appointed for Sheol. Death shall be their shepherd, and the upright shall rule over them in the morning. Their form shall be consumed in Sheol and with no place to dwell, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. But what about that? What about eternal life? What about resurrection power? It's something to be excited about. So we have forgiveness, we have healing, we have deliverance. I'm just going to call what we have in the beginning of verse, uh, at the end of verse 4, um, kindness, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. So, you know, crown here is used figuratively, and it's the idea of to honor someone. And God has chosen to honor us. God has chosen to treat us royally. Think of it that way. By lavishing upon us his unfailing love, or as, you know, the ESV loves to translate, usually translates that term hesed, a steadfast love. I kind of like unfailing love a little bit better. But also then it's paired with his mercy. God's unfailing love speaks of the covenant relationship that we have with him to which he is eternally faithful, whether we are or not. His unfailing love. God never stops loving us. And even when we disappoint him, but his tender mercies. And this subject, again, is one that's so important that the psalmist elaborates on it later. For as verse 11 says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love. There's one of the two towards those who fear him. Here's the other one. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion. There it is. His tender mercies compassion to his children so the lord shows compassion to those who fear him for he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust and the last one in verse number five i'm just going to call 
bounty, who satisfies you, or we could call it satisfaction, but who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Good. Satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, this is just amazing. It's fun, interesting that King James takes us in the direction of the fact that God gives us um, good things to eat. And that's just one example of the bounty that God heaps upon us. But day in and day out, God heaps blessing after blessing upon us. But the greatest blessing is God himself. And he satisfies you can have all this old world's goods. And they don't satisfy. They just bring something temporary. But Jesus satisfies. He saves and he satisfies. Folks, I want to close with this. You know, God, this, this, so expansive is this psalm that when you get to the end, it just basically becomes a call to everyone everywhere. This call to praise God, it becomes so expansive so as to include angels and all of the hosts of heaven and all of creation. Look at verse 20, or yeah, um, what's verse 20? Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts. So we have the angels, we have the heavenly hosts, his ministers who do his will. Then notice, Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So it ends as it begins, but the psalm becomes so expansive that it reaches out to include everything and everyone. And why is that true? Well, I'm just going to answer that with the, another song that we seem to enjoy around here. Is he worthy? And of course, the answer to that in the song is, He is. Worthy to receive honor and glory and power and blessing. All of those things. Not only has He redeemed us, but He has made us. Gracious Lord, we thank You for the call to remember Your, your blessings that You heap upon us. Your goodness to praise Your name. So in our time of prayer tonight, help us to determine to set aside some of that in order as we go through our different needs and requests to thank and praise you. And may it truly come from hearts that are moved with your goodness. For we pray in Christ's name. Amen.